0: Welcome to Hydrant Online. We are so thankful to be able to worship with you in this virtual way. Whether you're watching this at home or or listening to it on the way to work or gathered with your family, we are so honored that you would take time to engage in these moments of music and prayer and the Word with us, even across screens. It's not what any of us really wants for worship, but right now it is our best Option. As we have been going through this season, we have been planning and evaluating week after week, and we have some new things coming for the fall. As we look to September and October, we plan to start bringing some small groups into our building on a weekly basis. Our worship will continue primarily online, but we encourage you to invite friends or neighbors or coworkers over and kind of host your own house church on the weekend. And then we will have once a month gatherings. Look forward to new information coming out about this and some of the new ministries for kids and youth and what that's going to look like. But we have made those plans for September and October. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be sharing those. And so we can't wait as as God is opening some doors for us to start to get back together, to connect again in some smaller groups. Now, today we're going to wrap up this series of messages that we have been in in the summer called the Warrior Code. In this series of messages, we have been looking at what God offers us as a pathway for peace. It's this ancient pathway for peace, and it seems counterintuitive in a lot of ways. It in, it includes only fighting when we fight for peace. It, in, it includes the ability to embrace invisibility and to, to master our minds. And today is no different Today, as we as we wrap up this series of messages, we're going to talk about what it is to find peace in the midst of pain. Right now, we're all dealing with all kinds of uncertainty and struggles and pain, and, and it's hard to know where to find peace. It's hard to, to own any sense of peace within our souls and our minds and our hearts and to see it at work in our world. One of the, the principles un- underlying this entire series has been this idea that we lack peace in our world because we lack peace within ourselves. We find chaos and turbulence and violence and, and suffering in our world because those things exist within us and we reproduce them again and again on massive scales throughout our world. And Today, we want to talk about how to find peace in the midst of pain. It's not uncommon for us to come to Jesus, to come to God, to start to look for Him in the painful moments in life. When, when things are a struggle, when things aren't working out the way we think they should, when we're hurting, when we're we feel alone and desperate, We come to Him and we beg Him to fix our circumstances, to fix our problems, to fix the government, to fix our spouse, to fix our boss, to fix our situation. We look for Him to give us a a pain-free life. We, We wonder what's happening when we deal with trouble, when we deal with loss, when we deal with suffering. We feel like somehow... God must have abandoned us and maybe he doesn't exist at all. Or if he does, I can't believe in him. If he allows this kind of suffering in the world, if he allows really this kind of suffering in my life, we come to Jesus in search of a, a pain free pathway through life. And it's kind of ironic that we do that because Jesus way of life was not pain free. We can't come to someone whose life's moments, whose biggest life moment was marked by great suffering, great pain and great loss and expect to find in him a pain free life. Instead of that, he seems to offer to go through life with us, to be with us, to offer us peace in the midst of pain. But when we're in the midst of pain that doesn't feel like enough, we struggle on these Good Friday type of days, those days when we, when Jesus suffered and we feel like we suffer with him. We suffer the betrayals. We suffer the losses. We suffer the denials. We suffer fickle friends and false accusations and losses. We feel like life beats up on us. When we we hold on in those days and we hope for resurrection. We hope for a Sunday. We hope for a day when life comes together. So we all know what it is to have days when, when it's all coming down against us. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong. and We wonder what's next. But many of us have had that day, that sweet spot in life, when, when things are going the way that we dreamed they would go, when things are working out, when, when new opportunities are coming together, the problem is Sunday is, is just a day. It's just one more day. And it feels like we get kicked back to Friday again. Really, probably most of us spend a, a lot of time in Saturday. Like we spend our time in this in between time. It's not the worst moment of life. It's not the, the best moment of life. It's just kind of this uncertain place. This place of longing for more. This place of hoping for more. This, this, this place where, where fear grows. This place where uncertainty seems to rule the day. I think maybe even collectively our world has been stuck in Saturday for a while. We don't know how to move forward. We don't know what's next. We're not even sure what's real or true. People who who have all kinds of letters behind their name and are experts seem to disagree on the best pathway forward. And it creates this division and this fear. And we kind of feel stuck. We feel like the disciples did in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20 we see them and they're afraid. They are they have locked others out and and in locked themselves in. They're just kind of stuck and really they feel let down by Jesus. In John chapter 20 beginning at verse 19 we read these words. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together With the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. They were afraid and locked up. They weren't even afraid because of what God might do in the world. They had seen Jesus die. They felt... Let down by that, and they were still afraid of the Jews, but they themselves were Jews. They were just afraid of each other. And we have lived right now pretty afraid of one another. And over and over again, Jesus has done the exact opposite of what they expected. The exact opposite of what. They wanted him to do. Now, if you are new to Jesus or not especially familiar with him, you might as well get used to this idea of him doing the opposite of what you expect and something different than what you want. He just doesn't think the way we do. He doesn't operate the way we do. And so we see him. He comes into the world and he he teaches and he heals. And if that would have been it, if we had known him or accepted him as a teacher or a healer or a miracle worker, he would have had no problems in the world and we would have had no problems with him either. But he claimed to be more. He claimed to be the son of God and that was fine by his disciples. They believed in him as the Messiah, the one who had come to set them free, to rescue them, to fix the circumstances of the world. And then this Messiah, this Son of God, started telling them that he had to die. He had to die, and it didn't make any sense. Because either he is the Messiah, he is God, and he can't die, or he's not the Messiah, and he's going to die, and they need to find someone else. And so now they're left. They're left with this dead Messiah they hoped would change the world. They hoped that He would change the world order. They had hoped that He would come with strength and a sword and violence and set things right, that He would remove the repressors, oppressors, that He would set them free, set them free from Roman rule, would set them free to be able to do what they wanted to do, to worship the way they wanted to worship, to be able to, to just do life their way. Instead, instead of bringing that violence and control and earthly kingdom, he he offers them a way of peace within the world as it is. He came to change the world. There is no doubt about this. He came to change the world from a violent, broken, sinful place into one of peace and joy and hope. One marked by love, but he came to do it by changing you and me. He came to set us free, but he came to set us free from ourselves. And that's not really what we want, right? That's not really what any of us want. (laughs) It's always a little offensive when someone like Jesus says, listen, the real problem is not your circumstances. The real problem is not these oppressors. The real problem is not the brokenness out there. The real problem is you, is, is me. The real problem is the brokenness in me. Maybe, maybe you can relate to this. For a long time, I was a runner, and maybe you're a runner. Maybe you ran here Maybe you ran into, into Hydrant or to Goldsboro. Maybe you ran into the Air Force. You've been running. Runners often don't even know that they're runners. Runners, can, runners are those who, who are always running from something. You see, we, we go to something new and we, we work at it, and we build new relationships, but inevitably there is someone who, who takes us for granted, a friend who betrays us. There are people who are two-faced, and we run out of grace, and we run out of options, and we run out of opportunities, so we run to what's next, and we run to this new place where no one knows us, and we start this cycle again, and we turn those from where we left into enemies. We turn those into it's their fault. And then we, we're we here for a little while and it doesn't take long before suddenly that falls apart too and we have to run to something next. And we run to what's next and we keep running. And everywhere we go, we say things like, man, just everyone I meet is two-faced. Everyone lets me down. Everyone betrays me. Nobody can see what I have to offer (laughs) friends betray me everywhere I go I just get hurt and runners can't usually see the real problem the real problem is the one person who is in every one of those circumstances in every one of those situations, in every one of those jobs, and in every one of those relationships, in every one of those places. Many of us have done this with churches or church runners. Many of us have done it in marriages, run from marriage to marriage to marriage, relationship to relationship to relationship, friendship friendship to friendship to friendship, place to place. And we look and we want to blame all of those other people, And what we really need to do is stop and, and look in the mirror. Instead, we just call out to God, God, fix my life. Fix my life. Fix my job. Fix my situation. Fix my marriage. And He says, okay. But to do that, I have to fix you. We're like, well, no thanks. No, thanks, God. I, I mean, I want you to fix my life, but I, I don't want you to fix me. I don't need fixing. I'm not the problem, right? Like we we look at our world, we look at our country, we look at our city, we think, man, God fix the schools, God fix the government, fix the Democrats, fix the Republicans, you know, fix my spouse, fix my kids, fix my boss. God says, okay, okay, I can I can work in these circumstances but it begins in you it begins in you and the truth is that i am i am inadequate in myself to win the battle against my fear against my shame against my doubts my insecurity my guilt and my sin I am I'm inadequate to win those battles on my own. And every time I try, I just make a, a bigger mess in another situation that I need to run away from. And so over time, what I start to do is to build up walls, to lock people out because people hurt me, lock out the church, lock out the community, lock out friends. And as I lock more and more people out, I find that I have been locking myself in all along. And so while I don't let anyone close enough to really hurt me, I've stopped letting anyone close enough to really love me. I've stopped letting anyone close enough to really help me to really help me see what's true and real and good. And while I thought I was locking everyone out, I was really just locking myself in. The problem is, Jesus can walk through locked doors. We just read it in John chapter 20, that on the evening of that first day, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them. Jesus came in and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Perhaps those words, like he has, he has gone through Good Friday. He has gone through the false trial of Monday, Thursday. He's gone through the abuse and the beatings and the, the crucifixion. He has, he has entered into the depths of hell and conquered death and sin and he has risen. This is the day that he is risen and he walks in among them. And the first thing he says to them is peace be with you. This may be one of the greatest signs of his divinity. Maybe as as significant as the fact that he is raised from the dead at all. Peace be with you. You mean he walks into a room with fickle friends who are nowhere to be found in his moment of greatest need and he has no words of anger or hurt? It's just peace be with you. He walks in to the man who just just a few days before proclaimed his undying devotion, his, his willingness even to go to death, and he looks him in the eye and that's the very same man, who pretended he didn't know Jesus. Jesus went through abuse and abandonment and betrayal and denial and hurt and wounds and and he was beaten. All of the rage and hatred and violence of our world was heaped on his shoulders and he responds with, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, if that's me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to come back and I'm going to show up, but I'm not going to say peace be with you. I I'm, I think I might have some other words for Peter. I might have some, some other words for Thomas who is doubting. I might have some words for, for Pilate or the, the Roman soldiers who fought over my clothes. For the disciples who were nowhere to be found because they were too coward to even stand there. And he says, peace be with you. As humans, when violence comes against us, when there are those who hurt us or betray us, those who who want to, to hurt us, we tend to try to control it with more violence. My brother and I and kind of the men and all of our family have a tendency to escalate things to end them. I remember one time we kind of got into this water fight on the 4th of July. This is as adults. You know, it starts with little water gun shots at each other, then a couple of water balloons, and, and it's still very tame and laughable. And then my brother decides he's going to escalate it to the point of ending it. And he brings like multiple five gallon buckets of water and just dumps them on me from behind. I'm soaked. We're done. It's It's just, it's done. He ended it by escalating it. And that's kind of our human tendency with violence. We think that the only way to stop violence is with greater violence. And so when we have an enemy, we become the enemy to overcome it. We reap violence upon violence upon violence on those who are violent. We attempt to control chaos, to manipulate situations. This is how we deal with violence and suffering and rage in the world. But Jesus, Jesus refuses the human pathway. He takes the, that full force of human Hatred and rage and violence and pain on his shoulders. And he responds not with vengeance, not with rage, not with manipulation, not with violence. He responds with words like forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. He responds with love and peace. He offers peace to every one of us. His disciples were, were hiding in fear. They'd lock themselves in, trapped in Saturday. It's like us. Trapped in Saturday. Angry. Afraid. Uncertain about what's next. They would have probably traded about anything for certainty in that moment. And many of us do the same. It's kind of a human thing. We trade. We trade. Peace for control. We trade freedom for security. We trade hope for control or love for power. And then there's Jesus. He walks into those locked rooms. He walks into the room where we have locked ourselves in. He breaks down those barriers and he speaks to us and he says, peace be with you. It's remarkable, the same man who with his disciples in John chapter 14, before the end of his life, says, peace I give you. Peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace. I give you peace. And after everything he endured, he continues with the same mission of peace. And he looks at you and he looks at me. And he says, I can see and feel the rage and the fear and the insecurity, and the doubt, and the uncertainty in your soul. And I offer you peace. He doesn't force us on it. He doesn't force it on us. It's not this, this, this thing where He is going to break into even our, our very hearts and minds and manipulate and control us. He may break into the room to get our attention and and walk right through those locked doors, but it still remains as an offer. An offer of peace for those who would receive Him. So how do you and I know if we need peace? We can go to John chapter 14 just a couple of pages back. In John chapter 14, we read these words. I've spoken, all this I have spoken While still with you, I've been teaching you while I was with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Verse 27 says, peace, I leave with you my peace. I give you I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So how do we know if we are in need of peace from Jesus? What's right here? If our hearts are troubled or we're afraid, then we are in need of peace from Jesus. Really, in our world... We're not even just afraid. Like we specialize in fear. We've created this massive list of phobias, right? We specialize in fear. We're afraid of everything and every little thing. We're afraid of what someone else might do or what might happen in our world. And we try to preemptively get ahead of it and control it. But the truth is that fear lingers within us. That fear keeps us awake at night. That fear has us buying and hoarding up any number of things from food to weapons and other material goods. Things we think can secure and keep us safe. All because we're afraid. We push people away because we're afraid. We are many of us paralyzed by our fear. Don't know what to do or where to turn or how to act because of fear. If we find ourselves marked by fear, fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of joy, fear of vulnerability, fear of being hurt, fear of other people, then we are in need of a peace that only Jesus can give. But not only that, if our hearts are troubled, we are worried or anxious, Many of us, even when things are good, we're anxious. Even when things are working out just the way we hope, we're worried about the next bad thing that's going to happen because surely, surely it's just around the corner, right? Like it is coming any moment and we're constantly making a mental list of all of the things that could go wrong and all of the, the problems in the world and how they're all going to wreck our lives. And we are afraid of everything and anxious and worried. And because we can't allow ourselves to rest because of the fear and unsettled, we actually create more trouble in our lives. And we become this self-fulfilling prophecy, this self-fulfilling cycle of anxiety and reasons to be anxious and brokenness and fear. We need this One who can give us peace. Truth is, we just we misunderstand God's love for us in this world. Many of us good Christian people have misunderstood the gospel and need to go back and read it again because we think that somehow Jesus came and He lived and He died and He raised and was raised again to create an escape plan. We think it's about getting us out of this world into some other world. And we, we live holding on and hoping that even if we don't know peace now, that one day at least we'll rest in peace. Rest in peace. I hope that my tombstone doesn't say rest in peace, but he knew peace. He lived peacefully. He understood peace. He he created peace around him. Not well, his life was so chaotic. I hope he at least rests in peace. Because our our God did not come in Jesus to create an escape route. He didn't come to take us from here to heaven one day. In fact, He didn't even come to to create a way for us to get out of hell or to avoid hell. In fact, He came to get the hell out of us. He came to get the hell out of our world. He came to give us peace in this world, in this life, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain, in the midst of everything we face. He came to give us life and life abundant so that one day we can be a part of what happens when heaven and earth recollide and become one again. This is, this is the gospel. Peace now and into eternity. We can be saved from ourselves, from our own sin and shame and fear. We run. We run from this place to the next place to the next place, hoping to escape the monsters only to find that the monster is in us and that we need Jesus. We need peace. One last verse, still in John, John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world, not with violence, not with control, not with manipulation, but with peace. And therefore, I give you peace in the midst of the trouble. Yes, life will have its struggles. Life will have its uncertainties. Life will have its pain. But I will go with them, go with you through them and give you peace. Our only pathway to peace is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. As we begin to follow in His way, we discover more and more of what is true and find the life we long for, a life of peace. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you just to simply find peace in Him again. Maybe for the first time, you just want to say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's just that simple. Jesus, I'm yours Jesus, show me your ways. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, help me. Let's pray. Father, in the midst of pain and uncertainty, in the midst of feeling a little stuck in Saturday, we come to you. We come to you out of a longing and an uncertainty and a need. We need you. We don't come asking you to fix everything that's going on around us, but God, we ask you to do a work in us. We need you. We need you. We give ourselves to you as fully as we can, that we might know your love. We might know your grace. We might know your peace. And then like the disciples, you can say to us, I send you out in peace to share that peace, to be ambassadors of your peace. God, fill us, send us to overflow, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.